Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Milk to Meat. I am your host, Keisha Porner, and in this episode, we are going to continue along in our study of the book of James. James is a short book consisting of five chapters, and we learned in the previous episode that this is James, the brother of Christ, not the Apostle James. So, um, the verses we are going to look over today is going to continue on from where we left off and in describing genuine religion and what a true Christian is to look like and act like. So, without further ado, let's get started. So if you will, turn with me to James chapter 1. We're going to pick up where we left off with verse 9. So, I'm going to read the rest of the chapter and then we will clarify and go over where we need to. So, we begin with verse 9. The brother, brother here is speaking of a Christian, a fellow person who believes the same beliefs. The brother in humble circumstances humble here if you look at the Greek definition is an adjective and its Greek word is defined by depending on the Lord rather than yourself and it's interesting because we have in the English definition It means something different. It means having or showing a modest or low estimate of one's own importance. So, it's an interesting thing because in our English definition of this word, it's basically meaning that we are putting ourselves low. We are making ourselves less important. And that's contradictory to God's word and who you are in Christ. Because to God, to Father, to Christ, you are the most important creature that he has created. And we know this because Christ died for us so that we may have fellowship and we may be able to live alongside with God. So, we are His most important creation. And to read the word humble with the English definition, making us non-important, contradicts the text and that is why it's so important to to look for the original definition of what it is meaning because it brings clarity to the text. So, 
we're not saying that we're making ourselves unimportant or we are lowering our own value. Humble here is meaning that we are just dependent upon the Lord rather than ourselves. And so, continuing on, the brother in humble circumstances, the brother who depends on the Lord in his circumstances, ought to take pride in his high position. So, pride here, again, the original definition means to boast or live with your head up high. It's also a verb, so um, it, it's not. Uh, it's is different from God saying, you know, for when we are not to be prideful. Taking pride here is different. That it's it's a different word, and it's just meaning to hold your your head up high. Um, and in your high position and high means your heavenly position so let's read this with the with the Greek definition the brother in um, humble circumstances the brother in um, who's dependent upon the Lord in circum in his circumstances ought to take pride or hold his head up high in his heavenly position but the one who is rich should take pride and this here uh, I have an issue with this because it says it it repeats the take pride um, from the previous verse but it doesn't mean the same thing in verse 10 the rich, the original text um, defines the rich being humiliated. The one who is rich should be humiliated in his low position. <clears throat> and it's, it really means his... Um, that he... He is to take, he's not to take pride in his low position. It, it doesn't mean the same thing. This is, this is confusing because if we read it with the same understanding as the previous verse of take pride, we'll confuse what the text is trying to teach us here. And it's not that he should take pride in his low position, but that he should he should be humiliated the one who is rich should be humiliated and the reason he should be humiliated in his position and the, the fact that that the holy spirit here is calling his position his rich position of a low one is because he will pass away like a wild flower the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. It blossom, its blossoms falls, and its beauty is destroyed. 
In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. And I'm going to read the commentary here because it kind of clarifies it a little bit more. But it that those two verses are um, explaining that God doesn't... Um, he doesn't care for material things and material riches and material wealth. He, a man of wealth, power, status means nothing to God. And so, you know, why do we attribute such importance to them and so much honor to those who possess them? You know, do your material possessions give you goals and your only reason for living? If they were gone, what would be left? What you have in your heart, not in your bank account, is what matters to God and endures for eternity. So, the Holy Spirit is trying to explain to us here that... A rich man, speaking of his material riches and his material wealth or his position, his social status, it means nothing to God and it will just pass away. And pass away here literally means to perish. So... Um, you know, a, a rich man who is only focused on what he has materialistically will perish. And God sent his only begotten son so that we may not perish. But like, you know, we all know the story of the rich man that came to Christ and asked him how he should be saved and Christ explained to him to go and sell all of his possessions and the rich man in sadness refused to do so he he um he had such an attachment to his wealth he refused to give it up and then if if you didn't know that same rich man was the one who basically purchased Christ's tomb and and gave um and purchased the you know the tomb for where Christ's body should be laid so it's kind of ironic the very man who walked away from Christ in sadness and who didn't want to give up his material possessions was the one who paid for his burial plot basically but okay so moving on verse 12 Blessed, so, excuse me, blessed is the man who perseveres, 
meaning he remains behind or stands their ground and waits patiently. We've seen this this word previously in our study. It's hoopameno. I try to pronounce that correctly. But, like I said, it means to remain behind or stand your ground, wait patiently. <clears throat> the man who perseveres under trials and tribulation, the, um, the, 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 the trials and the, the different hardships and things that we would go through for our faith and um the different things that you know we go through just because we believe what we believe and because we claim to be children of God or we claim to be followers of Christ you know Christ warned us before he left that we would go through persecution for those things, you know, for being a believer and that persecution specifically towards us because of what we believe. And we see that a lot more in our world today where we have an attack on the Christian community, an attack on Christians specifically who believe scripture and who try to live out the word of God as closely as they can and who hold importance to the word and they believe the word is their truth and their standard for truth. And those people we see now are going through lots of persecution for those beliefs like um specifically right now we were receiving that persecution from the lgbtq community where um like a christian man was you know taken to court because he refused to place um a, a gay topping a cake topper on top of a wedding cake for a gay wedding it was against his values it was against his morals and what he believed so he was attacked and he was taken to court and you know this is the persecution that we are under because out of all of the cake bakers in this country he was targeted and he wasn't targeted by the lgbtq community he was targeted by satan and demons and because they worked through those people in order to target that man and persecute him and you know so once again, like Ephesians 6, our warfare is not against flesh and blood, but it is against powers and principalities and wickedness in high places. It is not the people. It is the spirit working through the people.
And every single one of us has a specific spirit that works through us. We either have the Holy Spirit working through us as Christians, or we have demonic spirits working through us. And we learned in the last episode, after um, breaking down James 1 and 8, about a double-minded Christian and this is a Christian with two souls or two spirits he has this the spirit of God and he has a demonic spirit we learn that in verse 8 when he's talking about a double-minded man and that double-minded means a person with two souls or two spirits so You either have, you can either have the Holy, like I say, you can have the Holy Spirit working through you, or you have a demonic spirit working through you, or you will have sometimes both. If you haven't been delivered, you could have both, even as a Christian, still have cases where a, the demonic spirit works through you rather than the Holy Spirit. So, um, but these are the persecutions and the trials that we will go through because when, I'm going to read this again, blessed is the man who perseveres, blessed is the man who waits patiently and stands his ground in his, in what he believes under trials or persecution because when he has stood the test when he's been approved he's been approved by God for standing his ground he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him the crown of life here is the mark of royalty or victory and It is the mark that God has promised us when we endure. And it's basically our um, symbol of salvation. But take note. It is the man who perseveres. Who stands his ground and waits patiently under persecution. And he adds on at the end of it, not only to the man who waits patiently under trial, but he also has to love him to those who love him. And when we look at love here, it's not um, it's not agape. Agape is the noun here. The word love is the verb form of agape. I mean, and it is agapeo. And it means to actively do what the Lord prefers. So, <laughs> blessed is the man who perseveres, waits patiently, and stands his ground in his belief. 
in persecution and loves who actively does what the Lord prefers. So he's speaking of our actions and he's tying that if you love the Lord, you will actively do what the Lord prefers. Your actions and how you live out your life is evidence of whether or not you love the Lord. And it it's the evidence of persevering in, in tribulation and in, in persecution. So moving on. Verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. And tempt here, I thought it was interesting. Because when you look at the definition and you're reading that verse, you find that um, unable is an adjective and is apirastos. Uh, ap, apirastos. I butchered that. I know. I'm sorry. But it's in, incapable of or lacking the capacity to tempt. So God not only, God God doesn't tempt us, and He can't be tempted. But it, it's not just that simple. It's it's He's incapable. Like there's no capacity about Him. He lacks the capacity completely to tempt us. So He will never tempt us. Um, and we see. We see that error in this because a lot of Christians, um, they they blame things on God, and um, like even Job did, for instance, when you read the book of Job, and when um, Satan comes and he's, you know, he takes everything from Job. He kills his family, he kills his his workers, he kills all his livestock, and he destroys his land and his property and he you know gives him boils and he um he t- turns his body and you know he covers his body in boils and you know and job <laughs> he makes the same mistake that all of us christians do and we identify those evil things happening to us as it being from God and that God is doing it to us and we see clearly here James is is telling us that God is incapable of tempting us with evil and so he he's incapable of himself being tempted and he's incapable of tempting us so it's it's not God that is causing evil in our life or or placing things in our life to tempt us 
and sometimes we even want to we even want to describe it as God testing us um testing and tempting is two different things but we we generally in this generation will tie the two together and we make it the same thing and it's not but God doesn't do that with evil he he does not he's incapable of of tempting us with evil so continue on but each one and he's going to explain to you now each one each one of us is tempted when by his own evil desires your own desires your own desires we are born with these sinful desires these lust is our own evil desires drags us away and enticed so our lust our own <clears throat> lust drives us away and entices us and you look at the def- the greek definition of this and it's I'm not even going to pronounce that word because I will butcher it. But it means that we have fallen into a trap or to set a trap, to be baited. And who is the person that sets traps? Who is the one that baits and sets, you know, in schemes and sets traps for us and, and um, so forth? You know earlier in scripture in the gospels we we learned that satan sets traps so because of our own lust we are dragged away and enticed we we fall into the traps of satan the traps of the devil and then after desire has conceived after your desire has been birthed or has been conceived after it's it's the desire the lust is there implanted in you you've fallen trapped to that lust then it gives birth to sin so once you have fallen trapped to the lust to desire that temptation that is when you have sinned and then if sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. So when you've, you've sinned so much, it's talking about when you sin so much, being full grown in sin, meaning is that you, you've sinned repeatedly. Your lifestyle has, has been repetitively living in sin to the point it matures and in in other scriptures we see that it, it severs us it severs our consciousness and we die in that sin so like i said previously it takes practice to be a sinner and the more you practice sin the more you you know are basically numb to it and you're more accepting of it and and then you will die in that sin so moving on verse 16 
don't be deceived. Deceived here is pleneo or pleneo. I probably butchered that as well, but I'm trying, you guys. And it is a verb, but it's used metaphorically here to be led astray from the truth. Through, especially through ignorance. So, um, do not be deceived, my dear brothers, talking to Christians. Now, a lot of times, you know, we hear Christians say today, you know, once saved, always saved, and, and so forth, and as if once you accept Christ, you can never be deceived. And that's just simply not true. Um, once you accept Christ, you become a target. And, and the bullseye on your back, <clears throat> excuse me, your, the bullseye on your back is a lot larger than it was when you were a sinner. And so, you know, the, there's this kind of false... Um, false perception of Christianity uh, amongst a lot of believers that once they accept Christ that you know that's it they're good and their life will always be good and their life is you know just magically becomes you know peace and love and joy and 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 all of their trials and all of their pain and suffering and all of it goes away. And that's simply not true. And it's the biggest lie that Satan has planted amongst the church is that Christians can't have demons or that Christians can't be deceived or that Christians can't fall into the traps of Satan. That's the biggest lie that Satan has placed amongst the Christian community and amongst the church. Because in reality, you can be. You are warned from front to back of this book. God's word, from front to back, you're warned over and over and over again to not be deceived to not fall into the trap of satan you are warned over and over and over again so yes where no one can pluck you from the hands of god you can be deceived and led away from god on your own free will you choose to walk away from God and out of his hands and into the world and into temptation and fall away from God and die and go to hell just because no one can pluck you no one can yank you no one can remove you from God nowhere in this Bible does it say that you can't walk away 
on your own free will. It's, it's actually clarifying that you can. Because he's constantly, constantly warning you to not be deceived. Because once you become deceived and you walk away from God and you remove yourself from the hands of God and walk towards that temptation and walk into that trap, then you have removed yourself from that salvation. You have removed yourself from his presence and when you are in the in his presence he is in you his presence is in you you make your choices in your life the choices that you make lead you or keep you they either lead you away from God or they keep you in the presence of God. And you make that choice on a daily basis. You decide in your actions, your attitudes, your, your thoughts, in your heart. You decide to be led away from God by deception or to be kept by God through love and love meaning you're doing what God prefers so let's move on and I'm going to step on a lot of people's toes with this because there's so many Christians out there deceived and live a life thinking once saved always saved but you have been warned You've been warned many times from from Genesis to Revelations to not be deceived. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers, Christians, fellow believers. Don't be deceived. Every good and perfect gift, every good and perfect gift, all the good things come from above, from Father. Who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth. Through the word of truth. That we might be kind. Be a kind of first fruits. Of all he created. (sighs) Moving on to verse 19. It's subtitled listening and doing. See there's a lot of. This is where a lot of Christians mess up. This is where Christianity fails a lot of times. Because we, we have a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people who go to church. And you go to church seven, seven days a week. And you are, you are devoted to that church building. You are devoted to that pastor. You are devoted to doing church things. And you are in church on a regular basis. You have your little assigned seat in church. And you never move from that seat. You you go every Sunday morning. You have a certain way you dress. You have a certain... <clears throat> you have a certain routine every Sunday. And you go and you sit in your assigned seat that you have chosen. 
and you listen to that pastor and you get up and you continue on with your routine through the day. And by the time you have left the doors to the time you get in your car, that little short little walk from the doors to the car, you have forgotten every word that pastor said. And that is the that is a large percentage of Christianity. And I was a part of that percentage. I, I will. I am not afraid to admit it. And I praise God that I no longer have that issue. I hear the word of God, and I do my best. I don't. I'm not perfect, and. And that's not an excuse, but, you know, I, I am still growing as a Christian. I'm not perfect in my, in my walk with God. I am not, I am not, um, have not reached full maturity in my walk. There is still a lot of things that God is, is perfecting in my life, but I am thankful that that part of my life I no longer have problems with and that I delight in the study of the word I delight in hearing scripture I delight in hearing teachings and it sticks with me it stays with me I am able to hear it and I hear the teaching in it and I hear the principles being taught in it and I take what is being taught and I try to apply it to my life and that is what we are supposed to do but like I said there's a large percentage of Christians who go to church and they're churched out and and those Christians are at risk of falling away because a churched out Christian easily gets offended a churched out Christian no longer does. We we just learned that love, when you love God, the verb, you're actively doing what the Lord prefers. When you're churched out, you no longer actively do what the Lord prefers. So, in retrospect, you're you no longer love the Lord. And I know it's going to step on people's toes. But the Lord is black and white. He he does not live in the shadows. He does not live in the gray. The Lord is one way or the other. You either live for him. You either love him. Or you don't. It's that simple. He says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Lord knows I need more work there. But for man's anger does not bring about the righteousness or bring about the righteous life. That God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth in the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept 
the word planted in you, which can save you. It says it can save you. doesn't say it does. It says can. Pay very close attention to your words. Can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Just listening to the word, you deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. He tells you exactly what it is in the next statement. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So that's the end of chapter 1. But I want you to to go back and, and study this for yourselves, read it for yourselves, because that is how we show ourselves approved. We read it for ourselves, we study for ourselves, and we ask the Lord to teach us, because the best teacher is the Holy Spirit. I can explain and teach until my heart's content. And I can still get it wrong. Your pastor can stand up and teach till he's blue in the face and he can still get it wrong. The best teacher is the Holy Spirit himself. And he will move on you and he will teach you and he will clarify. And he will he will lead you to understanding when you're reading the scripture and you ask for understanding you ask for wisdom just like we we read in James 1 if any of you lack wisdom ask God but also remember you have to ask him with faith and no doubt And it will be given unto you. Come to Father. Seek His word. Seek His face. Seek His presence. Seek the truth. And study for yourselves. And understand. I I read the scripture. And I, 
I explain the scripture as the Lord has given it to me. And I share it with you. And I I share it with you through love because I spent a, a great deal of my time reading scripture and not understanding. And it took listening to a pastor and I know it was the Holy Spirit that guided me there because I had already been asking Father for for understanding and I had already been asking Father to to help me understand these things in scripture that I was reading that didn't make sense and that I was being attacked on by an atheist and, and I was trying to understand these different things that atheists were proclaiming. And I got led to a path or to a brother in Christ and he broke the scriptures down the way I'm breaking them down for you now. And the Lord would teach me and and share the understanding in the scriptures. And I do this for you because I want to help someone else out there listening be able to understand the scriptures. And understand that just sitting in church and listening, the scripture says, excuse me, the scripture says that um, oh Lord, it's done left me now. The, let's see, what was I trying to say? Basically, the more responsibility, the more you know, the more is ex- expected. The more you know, the more is expected of you. And if you sit in church and you you take in teachings and you take in all of these teachings and all of these these preachings and you listen to a pastor on a daily basis and you take in that word and you take in the more that is given to you, the more is expected of you to do it. And if you are not taking in that and then releasing it back in your actions, then you are failing at what God, what the Holy Spirit calls genuine faith or genuine religion. Excuse me, genuine faith is the next chapter. But genuine religion. Your religion is worthless. And the most pure religion, the faultless religion that Father is looking for, the religion that God Himself accepts, is the one who looks after orphans and widows in their distress and keeps oneself from being polluted. By the world, meaning your lifestyle, your attitude, your mindset, 
your thought process, your reasoning, your comprehension, what you feed your mind and what you do on a daily basis, your lifestyle and, and, and the things that you take part in is not worldly. It's not conceived of evil and temptation and lust and selfish desires. It is not the things that you rely on yourself for. It is those things that you rely on the Lord for. It is not the it is not your desires and and the things that you prefer, but the things that the Lord prefers. Because being polluted by the world is the is following in our own selfish desires and 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 satisfying our own lust for the things that we want in this world. It's those material things that we are trying to satisfy our lust for. You know, like James said previously, the rich man should be humiliated. The rich man is depressed because it is not his material and earthly possessions that mean anything. God doesn't God, God doesn't care about your earthly possessions. He cares about what's in your heart. And if you have polluted your heart with worldly desires and 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 goals and apprehension and apprehensions is not the correct word, but goals and material things. It is a religion that God doesn't accept. He is looking for the unblemished. The ones who are not polluted by the world, who have not allowed themselves to be drawn astray or led astray from his hands. He is looking for the ones who have stood their ground and remained in him. He's, he's, when you have become polluted by the world, you are easily led astray and deceived. And you fall into the traps and the and the snares of the devil, because the snares is just a fancy word for traps. And the one who sets the traps is the one is is the father of all lies, the deceiver. The one who deceives Satan. He doesn't come to you. In full horns and in hellfire, he comes to you disguised as an angel of light, bearing gifts of good things that that satisfy your lust. Doesn't it's not good gifts that God gives that satisfies your soul your inner man your your spirit it's 
not the gifts of joy and and patience and perseverance and love you know it's these temporary material things that satisfy our lust for the moment that leaves us wanting more and more and more those when you have polluted yourself with the world you were easily led astray you are no longer kept by god you are no you have removed yourself from god's presence while you're in god's presence you were saved from the temptations you were that that power of temptation is broken the power of of addiction is broken when you stay in father's hands you have the power to break sin to cut off sin you have the power to cut off that temptation you have the power over your emotions over your lust you have the power when you are when you remain in Christ and he remains in you but when you are polluted with the world and you are double minded then you're easily led astray like a rabbit running after a carrot on a string right into the snare of the devil and you're trapped and i and i'm not saying this because you, the holy spirit can't save you from that trap because the holy spirit can but when you continue a lifestyle like that like that you are not living the religion that god accepts you are not in love with god you are not doing what the lord prefers you have removed yourself So no, Satan, demons, temptations, lust, your your spouse, your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, no one or nothing can remove you from the hands of God. But you can walk away. So I'm going to end with that tonight. And I urge you, go study go read for yourself study for yourself to so show yourself approved and i bid you all a good night and god bless you i pray the lord bless you and bless you tenfold to everyone that is listening to this tonight god bless good night